has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. He grew up for, before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from who people hide their faces, and he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but by, but, but he was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our inquinities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. Don't you just love it when someone's name perfectly matches their profession? Like I came across this online the other day. This is a hand surgeon whose name is Dr. Mitten. <laughs> Or, or another one is a, a meteorologist, and she's got the last name of Blizzard. I mean, come on, this is just great. And sometimes you just begin to wonder then, like, how much of an impact do our names have on us? Like, how much of an impact on your life does your name make? What, what if Usain Bolt's name wasn't Usain Bolt? Would he have been as fast if his name was Usain Slug? Even my own name, John, means God is gracious. And that's something I proclaim each and every week. My wife, Rachel's name is you, which is the mother sheep who looks after the little lambs. <laughs> Seems very appropriate. In fact, uh, let me share a few more that I found in, in my search. Uh, I found some pretty awesome uh, examples of this. And these are all real life. These are not made up. Uh, but there's a woman whose name is Crystal Ball, and she makes political predictions for MSNBC. <laughs> or, or this runner and his name, take note of this runner's name, it's Aaron Farr. Like, what's your name? Aaron Farr. What do you do? Aaron Farr. Or obviously, if you're a music teacher, your first name begins with C, and your last name is Sharp. You go only by your first initial, Miss C Sharp, is the music teacher. <laughs> or my personal favorite, which is Lieutenant Les McBurney, <laughs> who works for the Sun Prairie Fire Department in Wisconsin. This is real, real life. Les McBurney. There is a dog therapist who is Dr. Fetcher. A dentist named Pullen. <laughs> And, of course, who else would win the tree-climbing championship other than Scott Forrest? In other news, there is a tree-climbing championship. <laughs> and did you know the women's champ was Josephine Hedger? <laughs> oh, and then one, one more. Uh, the textbook on clinical neurology was written by none other than Lord Brain. <laughs> so there's a professor at NYU who studies this phenomenon. It's called nominative determinism. And here's what he says. Our names take deep root within our mental worlds, drawing us magnetically towards the concepts they embody. Simply put, names have significance. This is certainly true in the Bible where we see people who have a, a name that means a certain thing and then you see their life lived out in that way. 
Moses' name means drawn out. Of course, he was miraculously rescued when he was drawn out of the Nile River. And then God used him to draw his people out of bondage in Egypt. Or Isaac's name means he laughs and he brought great joy and laughter to his parents in their old age. So when God decided to send his son, he told Mary and Joseph what name the child should have. So we see this in Matthew chapter one, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. That is Joseph said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now my Bible, which is an NIV has a footnote there at the name of Jesus. Maybe yours does as well. And if you look there, what mine says is on the, the footnote of that name, Jesus says, as Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. And it means the Lord saves the Lord saves. So this baby born in Bethlehem, this is what all, all of this whole season is about. All the lights and the festivities and the gifts and the songs. This whole Christmas season, it's about a baby born in Bethlehem. He was the Savior. Of all the titles for him, of all of the names attributed to him, this is his given name. This is his proper name. It's Jesus. And that name means the Lord saves. He is the Savior. And he would indeed go on to do just that and save his people from their sins. But maybe you're here today and you're like, but I've seen that name before. Like particularly in the Hispanic community where it's pronounced Jesus, we've seen that there have been other people with the same name of Jesus. Or as we just learned, well, if it's the same name as Joshua, and we've got a few Joshua's here with us today. So what sets him apart? Why is he the one that's to save? How is he different from any other person who's had the exact same name as he? Well, only this Jesus is referred to as Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. He, he is Christ Jesus. Now, Christ means anointed one. In fact, it is the Greek counterpart to the Hebrew Messiah. So as we talk about the promised and foretold Messiah in the Old Testament, when we get to the New Testament, he is indeed that Person, So Christ and Messiah are interchangeable. One's Hebrew and one's Greek, and they both mean anointed one. And so he is Jesus the Christ. He is Jesus the Messiah, the prophesied one, the anointed one. And did you know that there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus perfectly fulfills? This is something we've been talking about over the last several weeks, that, that in the book of Isaiah alone, there are 125 prophecies this good news about Jesus, our Savior. So I am thrilled that you're with us today. Uh, my name is John. I'm just honored to serve as pastor here at MCA. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. I trust that you all had a wonderful Christmas yesterday. I'm grateful to be spending this morning with you and glad you're here. It's just the season filled with cheer and festivities and exchanging gifts. In fact, I was surprised this year when I asked my wife what she wanted for Christmas. And she said, nothing would make me happier than getting a diamond necklace. And so I got her nothing. I don't know why she hasn't talked to me yet today. 
But today is our final uh, sermon in this Christmas series that we're, we're calling it The Gospel According to Isaiah. And we just have this great news, this, this amazing and wonderful good news that, that the birth of Christ means that we have a Savior, a rescuer. And it's all right there in his name, that his name is Jesus and he is the Christ, that he offers this free gift of salvation to anyone who believes. So we see this in John chapter 3 and verse 17. Now, you're probably familiar with John 3, 16, which is the most, probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. But just the verse following that says it very clearly that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? Save the world. He's the savior. That's why God sent his son. He sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I think it's in uh, Shakespeare's classic Romeo and Juliet that uh, the question is posed, what is in a name? What's in a name? As our Savior, Jesus, the Christ, our Savior, he came to take our pain, as Jeremy shared a few minutes ago. He came to take our punishment. He came to take our place as a substitute, that he did pay the price for sin and death. That he entered into our mess. You may remember that, that we mentioned a few weeks ago, that maybe we should just call it Christ's mess or Christ's mess, because it's the story of Jesus entering into our broken world with the promise of rescue. So, for today's study, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 53. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. It's where we just heard the reading from a few moments ago. We're really going to key in on verses 4, 5, and 6. This is a passage, by the way, that you should be familiar with. If you're a follower of Jesus, this Isaiah 53 is quoted 41 times in the New Testament. This was written, of course, 700 years before Christ was born. And they describe in really amazing detail the life and the death and the burial and the exaltation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to look at these prophecies, and it is multiple prophecies, about the Savior. Let's start in verse 4. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Jesus came to carry our pain, our despair, our suffering. And I do want to recognize at this point, like, none of us are immune from life's hurts and wounds. We're all going to experience pain and difficulty. And it's only in Jesus that, that we have a Savior who wants to heal us, who wants to alleviate the burdens that we carry. So we have this good news to proclaim this morning that Jesus came to take our pain. And then that's why in Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. So when Isaiah says that the Messiah is going to take up our pain, he's using a Hebrew phrase that means carrying a heavy load. Carrying a heavy load that's going to eventually weigh you down unless it's given to someone stronger. You know, like how you're worried about that medical situation. Give it to Jesus. Or how you're anxious about your future. And... You know all those big decisions you have to make? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Your relationship status. 
your social anxiety, the stress that you carry from, I don't know, like your job and your family and your work and your friendships and your responsibilities. Like this is the good news that, that Jesus came to take away our pain, to take it on himself. That he then offers us in exchange the peace of God. So stop running to that secret addiction for the momentary relief that it brings. No, instead, bring it to Jesus. Stop carrying that heavy load that's going to weigh you down and find rest for your soul. By the way, did you hear about the Christmas ornament that was addicted? Yeah, he was hooked on trees his whole life. The birth of Jesus means we have a savior. Can I get an amen? I needed that after the groan from the dad joke. <laughs> uh, we just, it, it's, it's amazing news that we see the prophecy there in Isaiah 53 and verse 4. He came to take our pain. Okay, he also came to take our punishment. That, that it's in Jesus that, that we have the sin bearer. That this is the good news of Christmas. That, that it's filled with the awful realities of the crucifixion. That, that Jesus was pierced when he hung on the cross. He endured unspeakable agony at the crucifixion. Uh, it, it was a uh, punishment and an execution that was reserved for criminals. And so we see this prophecy in verse 5. We're in Isaiah chapter 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Moment of confession. I once punished the wrong child. You know, I thought I had the culprit. <laughs> and so I went ahead and doled out the consequence. I won't say who. She's giving me the look. It was only after that that I was told that she was not the one who had done wrong. Hey, listen, I'm doing well if I remember their names, okay? Stop the judging. <laughs> let alone which one has broken the rules. They probably all have. Um, no, actually, I was in the pharmacy just the other day, a few days ago in, uh, in Berlin. I was at the pharmacy. I had a bunch of errands I was running, stopping to pick up a prescription for one of my kids, and the employee goes, date of birth? And, I mean, this lady is just looking at me like, what kind of parent are you? Like... You don't know your child's birthday. I'm like, oh, just, just give me a minute. Um... <laughs> That's what Jesus did, though. I mean, he, he took the punishment that he didn't deserve. Why? So we could experience the peace that we talk about so often. That, that it, if Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem, then he couldn't have been crucified at Calvary. Those soft little hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made so that nails might be driven through them. And so this really is the good news of Christmas. That Christ, the newborn babe, is the Savior. That he took our pain, he took our punishment in order to give us peace. Each one of us has done wrong. We've all sinned. We all deserve punishment. But Jesus came to take our place. Jesus was innocent, but he was punished as if he were guilty. And we who are guilty 
can now be rewarded as if we're innocent. So let's look at verse 6. We're in Isaiah chapter 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took our place. He paid the price for our sins once and for all. And so, of course, at Christmas time, we give gifts. That's part of the way we celebrate the holidays, exchanging gifts with one another. And I just want to point out this morning that it's in Christ that we have the greatest gift of all. That, that God has bestowed upon us a Savior. And so it's through him that we can then be made right with God. The birth of Jesus demonstrates God's extraordinary and amazing and lavish love. Born in a wooden manger and destined for a wooden cross. And so I just want to say, Christmas is not about your winter break. And it's not about your family gathering. And it's not about your decorations or your lights or your gifts. Or how much you want a white Christmas. It's about Christ. And only about Christ. Sometimes we just need to hear the blunt truth. Over here on the tree. Hello? Can anyone hear me? Hi. You guys are making me crazy. Every year, it is the same thing. I've been hanging here, literally, watching you for this past month, and it's making me sick to my stomach. Karen, you've got to stop acting offended that people don't want to try the food that you prepared. Okay, the last thing people need is to have a guilt trip because they don't like your famous chocolate zucchini tortellette. Okay, just because you call it famous doesn't make it so. Billy, Billy, really? Really? You're going to complain about the color of your new bike? You got a new bike. Have some perspective. My arms and legs don't move. I wish I could ride a bike of any color. Kevin, you really think that Christmas dinner is an appropriate time to have a political debate? We know your stance on health care reform. Thank you for telling us again. Jeremy, 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 your sister went through a lot of trouble to get you that gift. Can't you even pretend to like it? Maybe not immediately ask if there's a gift receipt. Oh, and speaking of gifts, Aunt Helen, stop giving travel toiletries for Christmas. Okay. Yes, the miniature toothpaste is adorable. All right, but people buy the larger versions of those things every day. And Dan, Dan. Please stop taking pictures of everyone holding up their gifts. Do we really need a picture of Brenda holding up her new toaster? If you, if you give someone a frame, are you going to uh, take a picture of them holding that frame and then frame it in that frame? And someone, Grandma, stop playing Albert and the Chipmunks over and over again. He still wants a hula hoop. He's wanted in the 60s. He still wants it. Can we please just take a step back and relax and breathe? And please remember what this Christmas season is all about. And I'll give you a hint. It's not you! <laughs> a very blunt Christmas message. Um, no, C Christmas begins with Christ. It's all about Christ, and it's got to be about Christ. In fact, if you have your Bible with you, and you've got Isaiah 53 open, and we're keying in on verses 4, 5, and 6, just look there to see how often you note He, Him, His. God, Lord. I mean, I count 10 times in those three verses. 
It's about Jesus, the one who took our pain. It's about Jesus, the one who took our punishment. It's about Jesus, the one who took our very place. Christ is the greatest gift of Christmas because only Christ can save us. He is the Savior. It's only through him that we experience the salvation of God as a free gift. So let's look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 that say, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, so often we get beat up by the world, and then we wonder, where is God? We wonder, does God even hear us? Maybe that's where you are today. Does God hear me? Does God see me? Does God care about me? I'll share the story of two little boys who were spending a few days before Christmas with their grandparents. And it was bedtime, and the two little boys knelt next to the bedside, and they began to say their prayers. And the youngest one, with a really loud voice, began praying, really at the top of his lungs, Dear God, I'd like a new bicycle! Lord, I pray for a new bicycle. Yes, Lord, a new bicycle. His brother's like, hey, listen, why are you shouting? God's not deaf. He says, I know, but Grandma is. But I want to encourage you this morning that God isn't deaf. He hears you. He sees you. He cares about you. He has not given up on his people. In fact, the birth and the first coming of Jesus proves that. That the Messiah came, that God sent the rescuer, the prophets foretold it, and then on that holy night 2,000 years ago, it happened. The Savior was born. And so we see in Galatians 4, 4, when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. The only question then becomes, what are we going to do with this information? What are we going to do with this birth announcement? Are we going to allow him to be born in our hearts? Are we going to allow him to guide and direct us each and every day in ways that honor him? And I think there's no better opportunity than Christmas time to make that confession. Whether you've never done that before or whether you did it when you were a little child. I think there's no better time than to say, Christ Jesus, I want you to be Lord, Master, and Ruler of my life. Because it's only you who can save me. It's only you who are the Savior. So we see in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So this morning, as we conclude here in just a few moments, our prayer team is going to make themselves available to be right up here in the front. And I would invite you to come. Come for prayer. We would be Just honored to minister to you in that way. To go with you before God's throne of grace. To lead you to Christ, whether that's for the first time or whether that's just coming with those burdens and that baggage that you just want to lay down at the foot of the cross. I invite you to come to receive prayer and ministry as you confess Jesus as Lord. You know, as amazing as it is, we talked about all those funny names Another one that I found was an eye doctor named Seawright. <laughs> as amazing as those names are, as, as comical and, and uh, as on point as they are, how much more this newborn baby given to us as Jesus, the Savior. And all of human history has never been the same. 
And then we begin to realize, as Jeremy shared, that, that that wasn't when he was created. No, he's existed always since the beginning of time. And we realize this is God's master plan to redeem humanity flawed and in need of a rescuer, to, to take our pain, to take our punishment, to then take our place. So without Jesus being born as a baby and then dying in our place, we could never be saved from our sins. He was born to die so that you could be born again. And maybe you don't think you qualify. You've done too much wrong. You've messed up one too many times. You've gone so far that God's love couldn't reach you. Well, I want to say it doesn't matter what you've done. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone because God's love can reach you. It's reached me in my desperation and in my sin. And it can reach you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what Jesus has done. The baby born in a manger who went to the cross. He came to the earth. He lived the life that we could never live. He died a death that we should have died. And then he was raised to new life so that we can live forever. And so what do we do? We revere him this Christmas as Lord. And we celebrate his birth. The birth of Jesus, our Savior. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we... Thank you for being born in Bethlehem. And today we just marvel at how you fulfilled so many prophecies. And that you died to take my place, to take my pain and my punishment. And so thank you. Thank you that you have fulfilled all the righteous demands of God's holy law. Thank you for how you lived and how you have now given us the gift of your righteousness. Imparted to those of us who are not righteous, but only through your death shed blood and your resurrection. And so, Lord, we repent of our sins with gratitude, with forgiveness. We choose you as our Lord and as our Savior. We pray these things in your name only. Amen.